Um, it's a great privilege to be able to share with you today. Um, and it's not easy for a preacher to watch another preacher in their pulpit. So pray for Pastor Dean. Um, no, he's going to be okay. Um, we've been talking about influence these past couple weeks. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Dean and Amy spoke about influencing your home. Wasn't that a great message? They prayed for us at the end, got anointed. That was amazing. They talked about how um, we had to be conduits of the Holy Spirit and anoint, have the anointing for a heavenly influence on our home. And then Pastor Damien spoke last week about um, the church influencing your church. You guys like tore it up. You loved that message. It was so good. I know that you were all encouraged. He talked about us being the living stones, about using our giftings and talents to influence the church. Great message. Pastor Damien did a great job. So today we're going to talk about influencing your atmosphere. And when I talk about the atmosphere, I'm not saying like the atmosphere in the greatest you know, sky or everything out there. I feel like that's a little bit ambiguous. Um, we're talking about your atmosphere close to you. And so actually, I want to give you a couple definitions. The first is influence, the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of something or someone or the effect itself. And then atmosphere is the surrounding influence or environment. So the atmosphere for you could be work, or if you work at home, it could be your pets. Um, it could be your uh, gym. It could be your, if you go to school. It could be um, if you are on a sports team or maybe you're a coach. We all know that our kids' coaches need some influence, right, some godly influence. I have kids in sports, and it is truly amazing sometimes what comes upon those coaches. Um, but uh, your atmosphere, we're going to talk about today how to influence area around you. So the thing is, you hold the greatest power and potential to influence your own atmosphere. This is known, it's been studied. Um, one of the great sayings from Jin Rohn, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Think about those five people. You might want to switch a couple out after this. <laughs> Same. Average of the five people. The Bible says, uh, bad co company corrupts good character, 1 Corinthians 15.33. And then a stat that just came out, I actually heard this um, on a podcast, 57% um, of people are more likely to be overweight if you have a friend that is overweight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, and there's a reason why one of the studies that they found is that um, it's about partly ordering so at restaurants. So um, I, the staff and I, we love to eat at restaurants. In fact, after staff meeting, generally we go to a restaurant to eat together. We're all foodies. Um, we all like to eat food. And, you know, I'm trying to eat healthy. And here's what happens. It's not just me. The studies show that it's all of you. Um, the day before... <laughs> The day before, I'll be like, I'm going to, I, like, I think about these things. Okay, we're probably going to go to this place tomorrow. So I'm going to order the chicken breast with the vegetables on the side. Okay, I'm going to stick to that. I'm not going to get anything else. I got my meal planned out. I'm ready to go, right? And then we get to the restaurant. We go to this good place. We've probably taken 15 minutes to figure out where we're going to go. And we get there, and the first person orders, Pastor Damien might order an appetizer. And then I'm like... Well, I guess I'll start tomorrow, okay? Because <laughs> I want whatever that appetizer is because we all like food and we all know we're going to order something good. And then you eat your food and then one person orders a pizuki from BJ's and you're like, man, forget it. I'm going to get that. 57% of people are overweight if they have a friend that has overweight because the person that sets 
the meal, or orders first sets the tone for the meal. See, we all have the capacity for influence. And some of you are saying, oh man, we need influence right now. Have you seen America? It's going to hell in a handbasket. America is going downhill. Well, now more than ever, again, some of the statistics show that we are moving away from some of our Christian values. In fact, 10 years ago today, 58% of people prayed daily compared to 45% today. 10 years ago, 56% of people considered religion very important compared to 41% today. 10 years ago, 16 people considered religion not important. And 33% today consider religion not important. And finally, 68% of people attend church one time or less in a year. Amazing, right? But here's the thing. I got to be honest with you. This isn't actually better than any other age in America or the world. In fact, two, 300 years ago, when our nation was a Christian nation, the main commodity in Amer- one of the major commodities in America was people selling people. What we found in the last 20, 30 years, abuse of all kinds is being uncovered in the church, and some would say it's a day of reckoning for the horrific acts taking place in this last century among the church. Among the most Christian times, we've seen wars, terrible politics, church splits, and strife among us in this time. Now, this is not to say that you should just give up. What can we do? We can do nothing then. We just got to let it go. I say that to tell you that now more than ever, your influence is what we need in this world. And if you're looking to the past for better times, you are missing your purpose for today. And if you're looking to the future for the answers, you're missing missing your purpose for today. The answer is the revival and restoration of God's people back to him. And you hold the power and the influence to to influence the people around you. You are able to do that. We need you today for influence. Surely you came from a dark place and rose into the light. You have the influence. Many churches have risen up to be a light in the community. Many countless people have used their own influence in their circle and made a bigger difference than they know. Just think about Pastor Sam talked about that today. A group of women, women, um, small group, went to Zambia, and they helped be the catalyst for something bigger than themselves. You hold the power to influence the people around you. And more, and I just read that stat that only 68, 68% of people come in these doors one time or less. And if we're honest, it's probably for something like a baby dedication or a baptism or something. They don't even go to the church, but they just happen to go to that church. So where does our influence, where is it really needed? Not in this house, not in these walls, but it's needed at your place of work. It's needed at your gym. It's needed at your kids' sports games. It's needed at your school. It's needed in all the places other than here because most people are out there, not in here. See, we have to use our God-given influence so that people may come to know him. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to dive in to Ezekiel 47 because I think that this is one of the best pictures of how 
Um, we can become influencers. And so as you're going to that, I want to again tell you um, about Ezekiel. Pastor Dean preached on Ezekiel a couple weeks ago. I thought he was going to preach on my scripture. I prayed against that and he didn't. Um, uh, he explained this, I believe, that the book of Ezekiel is broken into three sections. The first section is God's judgment on the fallen nation of Israel, God's people. The second section is God's judgment on foreign nations and the plan for Israel. And then the third section, where we're drawing this passage out of today, is the future of healing and restoration for Israel and the nations and all creation. So we're going to jump into that, that third section, Ezekiel 47, 47. I'm going to pray as you find that. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God, that you are a good God. We thank you, Lord, that you help us to influence others. And so I pray today that as I am speaking your word, that you would speak through me and that the hearts of everybody in this room would become open to what you have to say. We love you, God. We honor you today. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go to Ezekiel 47. This is a vision that Ezekiel has received. And you know, dreams, they can be a little crazy, right? So I want you to just go with me in this scripture. It's a little bit long. Starts at verse 47. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple to the temple, and I saw water coming from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around to the outside gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough, deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows uh, toward the eastern region and goes down to Rabbah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creature will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish, because wherever this water flows, there and makes the salt water fresh, so where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engidi to Ingliam, where there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea, but the swamps and marshes will not be fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and the leaves for healing. I believe in this scripture is an equation for how we can influence our best in our atmosphere. See, this scripture is not the only place that the river is mentioned. The first place is in the Garden of Eden. There's all the rivers. And on the pond, the fall of man, we lost those rivers. And then Ezekiel, and again in Revelation, explains the river that will be part of restoring God's people back to him. It's a picture of what heaven may look like. And we know that we are called to be a reflection of heaven on earth. So when we're looking at what this river is and what this river does, I believe it's a formula for how we are to influence today. And see, it says, in talking about the temple, 
1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? We are the temple that the river is going to flow through. And we're gonna talk about what happens as the river flows through us. Now, point number one, to have unlimited influence on your atmosphere, you must know the unlimited source of your influence. Verse 47, the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. When I saw the water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, the water was coming down from the, under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me outside to the out, outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. I want to break this down a little bit. Now, I say this every message, and I will always say it every message. If you are not reading your Bible every day, I want to challenge you to pick up your Bible today. You must be reading your Bible to get the, tr the fresh revelation of God. And not only that, you can't just read it, be done with it, and move on. You have to read it and digest it. Figure out the details. What is this actually saying? Because there is so, the Bible is so rich. There is so much in just two little scriptures that you might miss if you don't spend the time soaking in your word. So I'm going to break this down for you a little bit. It says, talks about the entrance. And what we know about the entrance is that the door is a symbol of Jesus. See, the water had to pass by the altar where the sacrifices took place. And scholars, the commentaries understand that this is Jesus. This is the, the spirit of God coming down and moving past the altar so that they, he would be clean. That Jesus would come and, and be our sacrifice so that we could be free from sin. John 10, 7 says, truly I say to you, Jesus, truly I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, to the Father, except through me. John 4, 14, Jesus says, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, God clearly lays out a plan back to him, and that is Jesus. He is the door. He is the door. But instead of believing that, the world, instead of God, wants to be the river of influence, and they reject the true source. They want to be the influence in your life. And when I'm talking about the, the world, I mean all kinds of things. It could be um, the media. It could be social media. It could be the government. It could be social activism. It could be political parties. They're all trying to be the source of what, a source of life and influence for you. And those things in themselves aren't necessarily bad, except for when they try to be the true source, the one true source. Just like social media. I don't know if you guys are on social media. It's this thing that you can do on your phone. Uh, I got TikTok, downloaded TikTok a couple years ago. I tell you what, I only could have it for about two weeks because it was like the biggest garbage can of everybody's emotions, happiness, sadness, depression, defeat, talents, giftings, like all of it. It was all like, I was like confused and sad and depressed. And like, I was trying to figure out what, what is going on with all these people. Like, I want to help them. But also this is really fun and exciting. And, and then finally, after two weeks, I was like, I can't take it anymore. I got to get out of here. This is too much for me. I guess I'm getting too old. 
But that is social media for you. Social media wants to become the source for you of influence. Social media wants to become the thing that informs you to inform others. But we can't do that. We cannot outsource the true source to anybody else but the living Lord. And why shouldn't we do that? Because God is the giver of all things good. And some of you are waiting on something or someone else to bring healing and restoration to this world. You're saying to yourself, if only this would happen, then this could happen. And you're depending on a law or the streets, the courts or politics to restore this world back to its original intention. That can never happen if the source is anything else than the almighty God. And you are part of the answer. See, in Philippians 4.19, it says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change or like shifting shadows. Psalm 84.11 says, For the Lord our God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. You hold that in your heart. You have that in your hands. You must use the potential and power to influence others because you know the true source. Probably the goodest thing, that's not a word, probably the best thing, the greatest thing is the grace that God gives us. And just like a river, grace is always moving. It's never stagnant. The river is a powerful representation of how grace works in our lives. It's always changing us, moving us from point A to point B. These are the good things. And it's why we must never remove God as the source of our influence. Point number two, your influence is directly, directly affected by the depth you are willing to go. Verse three, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. Like I said, observation of the scripture. One of the things that I saw when I uh, was reading this was the measuring is significant in the story. And so I started to ask, why is measuring significant? And I believe it's because measuring is a marker. It's a symbol of something that has changed in you. Something has changed. You're moving from, in this story, a depth to a different depth, or maybe you had an experience in your life and it moved you maybe from a place of hurt to a place of healing, or maybe the opposite. Maybe you were good and you had an experience and it, it kind of got you off track and now you're, you don't know what you're doing. There is a markers in all of our lives that pushes us in a direction. So today we're gonna talk about the marking of the river. And I want to um, just share with you, um, it, it begins, let me read the first verse. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. In verse three, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the ankle deep water. I want to share with you, when I was a teenager and I accepted Jesus Christ, I was at a, a youth camp, and it would be similar to if the altar was here, and here I was, slobbering, snotty mess, praying to God, a very angry teenager from many of the things that I had endured and suffered in my lifetime, 
And there I was at the altar crying out, God, please take this anger from me. Please take these things from me. The specific prayer was, please take this cup from me. The message was about the cup. And so I was holding my hands like this, please take this cup from me. And what God did was heal me from all of the anger and all of the resentment and all of the bitterness and all of the things that my life had been described as up to then. Jesus took that out of my heart there at the altar, and I began to enter the river at an ankle depth. See, I start to experience who God is. I understand his grace, and I'm walking in the river at ankle depth, and, and I'm, I, I, it's sufficient enough, but I'm still learning about who God is and, and what he can do in my life, and I believe that a lot of us are here in this place. You're in the ankle depth. The thing about the ankle depth is that you can hop out real quick. You know what I mean? Like if you're in a river and you're in the ankle depth, you can just whoop, drop out, jump out. Like, what? What was that? I don't even know. You just get back in. Isn't that us? Like sometimes, hop in, hop out. You're coming to church on Sunday, you're getting out. You know, hop in. So you're in ankle deep. And here's the thing about ankle deep, deep right? It gets warm. Have you ever been in a really cold source of water and you get in and you're just waiting for your feet to get warm and they get you know, warmer and you're like, okay, I can, I can do this, but I am not about to get any deeper, right? Because that is just too cold. I am fine right here. I am fine. It's warm. It's cozy. Sunday mornings, you come in here. This is all I need. Let me just get in here. It's warm. It's cozy. I feel good. I'm happy to be at this place, but you are not pressing on to go any further. You are not reading your Bible every day. You are not praying every day. You are not coming to other things. You're not seeking out other people to grow and to go deeper because what's right here is warm, perfect, cozy, comfortable, just like Sunday mornings. I want to encourage you, if you're in this depth, go a little deeper. When we see in the next verse that they walk and he measures off another thousand feet and we come to the knee deep. And it's a little bit colder and, you know, here you are in the water, you're experiencing a little bit more of God's grace, God's movement. And here's the thing about knees that's, uh, that's particular, is that the knee is the first point of bendable on your body, right? Have you ever had somebody come up and kick in the, in the knees and totally, you know, that's a terrible trick, but um, they kick it and you bend over. This is a place where you begin to be bendable. You begin to be bendable. You see, you start to hear more about who God is and what he can do. Maybe you are reading your Bible and you're listening to the sermons and you're starting to change who you are. And the things that you did before are things that you won't do now. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, I'm really becoming different. God is really using me to do things. And you're learning more, but you still maybe can hop out real quick and, you know, hop back in, right? You still are not totally in control of your own body, moving how you want to move, but you are experiencing the, the movement of the Holy Spirit, the movement of God pushing you in the direction that you want to go. It's a little bit of a dance. And I think that this is one of the most courageous, uh, contagious places of influence, actually. Have you ever talked to a believer that is beginning to understand who God is in their life? They're excited. They're excited about how God has taken them from sinner to saint, right? They're telling you all kinds of details that you probably don't even want to know about their life, but they're so excited to tell you about how God is changing them. They are bendable. They are moldable. They are moving in the Holy Spirit. And then we get to the third part, and he measures out another thousand feet, and here we are, waist depth. And, and when you're waist depth, you start to see, uh, feel things in the water. 
Okay, now I know a lot of you guys don't like water, right? A lot of afraid of the, the lake or the river because there's like things unknown in there, right? And so you start walking in the waist step and you start to feel things coming at you, hitting you. And this is just like when you start to dig deeper into your relationship with Jesus, the things that before may not have bothered you because you were in a life that was different than now, you start to feel those things. Or things that bothered you before, like people coming at you or whatever terrible life experience, those are hitting you. But here's the thing about being waist depth, that those things really start moving past you. See, the river is catching up those things and just keeps moving those things beyond you. You are no longer in stagnant water where those things can keep coming at you, but you are in a moving water of grace. And God begins to move you farther and farther. And those things that bothered you before will no longer bother you now because you understand who the one true God is and that he will not leave you in the place that you were, but he will move you forward into a life of eternity and that you don't have to stay there. But I can let God start moving me, moving me along his grace, moving me along his glory. Your influence will reflect that level of God in your life. Then we get to the last part, and he measures off another thousand. And this is the part where it's deep enough to swim. And this is the place that my life's work, my calling, is to get every person in this room to this place. See, this place is a place where someone like me could go from a torn up little 15-year-old to living a life full of grace and love and hope. And see, I swim in this river as God has picked me up off the ground. I am no longer in control of my life. I can no longer just jump in and out of the river. I must move with God, become swimming with him. It's a baptism, it's immersion into water. I allow God, the glory of God, to be able to change me, move me, and that the sound becomes so loud that I can't hear anything else but him. Rudy, can we turn that up? The sound, listen to the sound. It's the sound of grace and mercy and compassion and hope and God moving you. And it is all that you can hear is his voice. All that I wanna hear is your voice, God. All that I wanna be is fully immersed in your glory. All I wanna do is to swim in the river of your glory, God. I wanna be with you, I wanna be one with you, Jesus. That is the place where we land fully immersed, fully moved by the river. And my prayer is that every person today, if wherever you are, would experience the full immersion of his glory and his depth. And here's the thing, when you land in this place, your influence becomes unstoppable because you are fully immersed, fully the source of God is flowing through you. Then he gets to this, this place in the vision and he says, look, do you see those trees on the bank? Do you see those trees? They're fruit, fruits every month. Their leaves are healing leaves. These trees are planted and the water flows through them. They become a source of hope and healing. In verse 
12, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither nor their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve food and their leaves for healing. Point number three, your influence will attract others to your source of hope and healing. Here's what we know about the trees, that they're each one of us. You are a tree planted by the living waters of God. You are a tree firmly planted along the shore. It says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Oh God, help me to be a person of influence that whatever I do, always prospers. Now here's the thing, what we know about the fruit. It says in Galatians 5, through 23, but the, this isn't just a kid's verse. We, we do this so much in, in kid's church, but really it's more for adults, I think. Um, it's the fruit of the Spirit, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. So basically, you can do all these things and you will never get in trouble, right? Like we need this fruit of the Spirit. We need God in our lives to produce fruit that is always bearing, that is always good. Now, I have a peach tree in my backyard. Well, I'm soon to have lots of trees in my backyard. That, I have a peach tree in my backyard, and we've had it there for a couple years. It's grown, and every year it produces fruit. We look forward to the, um, sometime in the summer where we're going to be able to pick all those hundreds of peaches off the tree. We, we make all kinds of plans, peach cobbler, peach tea, peach ice cream, all kinds of stuff that we're going to do with these peas. Now, peas, peaches, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Now, what happens usually when we've tried to uh, go get ahead of is the squirrels every time come and get our peaches. Man, my kids even named one of them Mr. Nutty, and it's so annoying. <laughs> Mr. Nutty comes every summer and eats all the peaches off our tree. We've tried to put a net on the tree, and then the squirrels just got stuck in that and screamed. It was terrible. It was a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, the harvest comes around. We have, we're looking forward to these peaches and the other day, my husband Adam goes, the squirrels ate all the peaches. I think actually he told me there's one little sad peach left on the tree. <laughs> that tree is not eternal. That tree will not produce fruit every month. That tree produces fruit once a year, and when it's gone, it's gone. This tree, you as a tree, continually produce good fruit over and over again. And here's what happens. People try to come at your fruit just like the squirrels. How many Mr. Nutties do we got out there? Okay, all right. How many people come, to, come after, your, after your fruit, right? They try to get you with patience. They try to get you with uh, your grace. They try to get you with your goodness. They're just like plucking it off your tree. Let me see if I can get you to stop being so good and so kind and so faithful and so Christian. Let me see if I can just pluck all that off your tree, right? But here's what the Lord tells us. Nothing can separate you. There is nothing that can come against you. That, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but he comes to bring abundant life. 
See, don't let anybody else take your, tree, your fruit off your tree. God will bring you abundant life. He will supply all your needs. He will continually work and flow through you for whatever you need. Your fruit will never fail. Amen? You will have peach cobbler for years. <laughs> but that's what we want. That's what I want. As a tree established along the banks of the river, as a tree that's allowed the living water to flow through me, my greatest desire is that people would come to me as a source of hope and healing. And what is the thing about these trees is that, I didn't go over this scripture in detail, but there is more detail to it. It talks about the marsh and the salt over here that the river did not reach. And here's the thing, there are many people in that salt, in that marsh, that are wanting something greater than them. They are looking for the source of healing and restoration. And you know what it's like when you're in a valley and you're in a desert? All you want to find is a little bit of peace, a little bit of shade, a little bit of hope, maybe some food. So imagine you're in this place, these valleys and these deserts, and what you see is a tree off in the distance. And you will pursue that tree because you know it has what you need. And that is just like the rest of the world who don't, aren't in this building or who don't come to church or only come to church once a year. They are looking for a tree, for shade, for healing, to be fed good fruit, to be fed the goodness of God. They may not know it. They may not know the source of where you get it from. They may have rejected the source again and again. But what they know is that you have something that they don't. What they know is that you can provide hope and healing that they can't find. What they know is that they may never set foot in this place, but they can come to you for Jesus. I want to be a tree planted along the riverbanks so that the river of God is flowing through me. I believe that you do too. And I have three questions for you today. The first that I wanna ask is that if there's anybody in this room, maybe you don't know God, maybe this is your one time a year, and you're like, well, how did that happen? (laughs) And you wanna know, and you want his goodness. And you've heard this, and you're thinking to yourself, if I could just get to that water, or if I could just get to that tree. Or maybe you have accepted Christ in your life, and maybe it's like an ankle situation where you got in the water and you jumped out and you've walked away from the true source, the very one source that wants to heal you. This prayer is for you today. If you're in this room and you want to know who Jesus Christ is, or you want to recommit your life to him, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to make this a marker moment where something changes, where you change the depth of where you're at. If that is you today and you want to know Jesus or you want to know Jesus again, would you go ahead and raise your hand? Don't be shy. God is calling you. He wants you to know that he is your good, good father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Can we all say this together? Dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a savior. I believe that you were raised from the dead for my salvation.
I commit my life and I put my faith in you alone. Amen, amen. Can we give those people that rose their hand a round of applause? Welcome to the family. And after service, if you want to talk to somebody more, there will be some people back in the sanctuary or we'll have our prayer teams in a couple minutes and you can talk to them. The next question. Are you somebody that is stuck in the river either at the ankle depth, the knee depth, or the waist depth? And you just can't seem to get into the free-flowing stream of grace, the river of God that is just the best place to be. Maybe you've gotten to the ankle depth and you've got a little bit comfortable. Maybe you got to the bending depth and the, the, the bending was too hard, right? Maybe you got to the waist depth and the, the things that you're experiencing were too much. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to not stop there. Don't stop there. Keep going. God is moving. He is inviting you to come along. He's inviting you to be one of his trees established along the the banks so that you can be an influence. You can be part of the greatest group of influencers in this world that has ever experienced. And if that is you today, I'm actually going to ask you just to raise your hand because I believe that God is calling you out of the darkness. He's asking you to take a step. It's a marker. Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. I thank you for each person that rose a hand. And God, I ask that as they begin to journey in your grace, God, as they begin to experience the flow of the river, God, that you would encourage them. I pray against the enemy that would try to bring um, doubt and deceit and whatever it might be, people to come against them. I ask that you give these people boldness, God. Give them hope. Give them a purpose, Jesus. And I pray that as they move in the flow, of your river. God, that you would remind them of what a good, good, good God you are. You are our perfect Father and that you will take care of all of our needs. Hallelujah. Amen. And then third, I want to ask those of you that desire to have a greater influence on your atmosphere. I'm going to pray this prayer too for me. I want to have a greater influence on my atmosphere. If you desire today for have a greater influence on your atmosphere and maybe you're struggling, maybe you're not would you go ahead and stand today and we're going to pray thank you Jesus 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 Hallelujah. would you just begin to praise him with me thank you Jesus, we worship you God we give you glory we give you honor Jesus you are the king of kings and the lord of lords there is no river like you You are the source unending. We love you, God. We thank you that you are gracious, Father, that it's the water that we can freely flow in. And I pray for every believer here today that has stood, Jesus, and those that are afraid to stand, God. I ask, Lord, that you would create an influence in us that is never ending, God. I pray that you would create an influence in us that would change the nations, God. I pray for an influence that would impact our immediate circle. I pray that we would be the people that draw people to to the trees, I've asked God for specific instances to take somebody's hand and bring them to the trees, God. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the power of the Holy Spirit, boldness to speak your word, boldness to speak your word in the darkness, even in the secularization of this nation, God. I pray for boldness to speak out your word, to speak for healing and restoration, God. Healing and restoration, God. Healing and restoration to become to you, Jesus. We need you, God. 
We need you, Jesus. I pray that every person in this room would walk out of this place swimming, fully immersed, baptized by the powerful, powerful river. Let your fire fall upon us, God. May we be people marked by you. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that message ministered to your heart and lifted your spirit today. Hey, to find out more about joining the RLC online family, you can find us on the Church Center app. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. God bless you.